just go to the farm. There's a farm right down the street. Go ask the, go ask the dairyman. He'll show you around. I promise you like, and, and people are scared of yeah. that kind of stuff. Like they're scared to go ask the farmer. They're scared to go onto the farm. Cause they think they're going to get shot or something. Like they, they don't, <laughs> they don't realize that, you know, farmers are a lot more approachable than you think. And that both sides are scared of each other. And if, if, if both sides just kind of say, Hey, I won't hurt you. If you won't hurt me, can I see your farm? And you know, the, the farmer will say, yeah, let's, you know, come on you know, I'll show you around. It'll be great. Welcome to Talk Ag to Me, the podcast dedicated to improving ag literacy around the globe. I'm your host, Brennan Black, and in today's episode, we're talking all about farm stories. So here to help us with this episode is the host of the Farm Story podcast, uh, Car- Car- is it Caroline or Carolyn? Caroline. All mm-hmm. right. So uh, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to let uh, our guest here give, give her own introduction and talk about a little bit about what uh, she does on her podcast. So go ahead. Yeah, thank you so much for having me today. Um, Like he said, my name is Caroline Sicht, and I am the owner of a business called The Farm Story, and we also have The Farm Story Podcast. Um, I am just a farm girl from Missouri. (laughs) I'm a (laughs) farmer's daughter. We have beef cattle um, right here in central Missouri, and I just love every minute of being on a farm. And over the course, (coughs) excuse me. Over the course of my life, um, I kind of grew up with this like double lifestyle, so to speak. Right before we started recording, uh, I told you about how I used to play softball. Mm -hmm. And so um, I played softball all growing up and all through college and in high school and all the things. And then at the same time, I also had a love and a passion for showing cattle and being an FFA and all of that. So I kind of did both things all growing up. And so I was surrounded a lot by people who didn't necessarily know where their food came from or didn't know what it was like to be on a farm. And so I was always the token ag girl, you know, like I was always the token girl on the team that had cows or would talk about cows, especially in college is kind of where I really realized that I went to a small NAIA school here close to home. And there were people from across the country that came to this school and they would just ask me questions about like, well, Caroline, what do your cows do when, when you're at home? And you, what does it mean to be on a farm? And what do they eat? What is, do they bite you? And you're just like, oh my goodness, <laughs> all these questions. And so I quickly realized and shared about it on social media and just kind of told my story on a daily basis, like at the dining hall or in class or to my professor or my teammates or whatever, they were learning about agriculture just because I was talking about it in a very casual and candid way. So I left William Woods with a really great education of, you know, from the classroom and a degree and all those things. And then also this knowledge in my back pocket of like, okay, people really don't know where their food comes from. Mm -hmm. And that's not really a good thing, but you know, it is what it is. So then I went on to um, get my master's degree and, you know, just kind of that same knowledge kept creeping up. Like I was getting this really good um, knowledge in the classroom, but then I just kind of talked to more and more people. And I was more aware of the fact that people just didn't know where their food came from. Um, and so then right after I got my master's, this is an embarrassing story that I will tell about myself, but, um, I call it my Turkey story because I was put in a situation where 
um, I was actually volunteering at our local food bank um, with a group of people. And it was around Thanksgiving because that's when a lot of people, you know, volunteer at food banks and things like that. And we were discussing, you know, what we were doing over Thanksgiving break and all the things. It's just, you know, small talk. And this lady that was in the group with me said, you know, I don't think I'm going to eat turkey at Thanksgiving this year because I saw a video on the internet where the turkeys are being mistreated and I just don't want to support that industry. And so I'm standing there with my hairnet on and my plastic gloves and I'm just like furious because I, am I a turkey farmer? No. Like, do I even have turkeys at home? No. Like I, I have nothing to do with the turkey industry, but in that moment, I felt like she was attacking the entire industry that I loved, you know? And I felt just like helpless. I didn't know what to say. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to act. And I just kind of like my fist started shaking and in my brain, I'm like, okay, you got to say something. What are you going to say? And the only thing I could think to say, like through my clenched teeth was the turkeys are fine. <laughs> And everybody kind of looked at me funny. And I was just like, what did you just say? Like, I don't know. It was so embarrassing. And so at the time I reflected on that and I reflected about how angry I got and what I said. And, you know, did I say a a mean thing to her? No, but could I have said something a lot better? Yeah. And so at that moment I thought, okay, (laughs) people don't know where their food comes from. Number one. And number two, a lot of people within the ag industry don't necessarily know how to tell the story of where their food does come from. Mm -hmm. So it was kind of this like colliding moment of like, okay, I, there's no, there, maybe there was resources out there to teach me how to do that, but I didn't know where they were. I couldn't find them. And so I just kind of set out on my own mission to, to be those resources for people. So that's kind of where all of my business and my podcast and everything comes from is from that experience. And those questions that people would ask me, So it's just really trying to help people within agriculture, have the confidence to tell our story and then to help them navigate those, those moments. Like what I was just talking about at the food bank, where you know what to say, you know how to answer it, you know how to start those conversations um, because that's really the hardest part in my opinion. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that's awesome that you're working on, on helping others in in the industry kind of learn some of those tactics. And that's actually something that I can uh, relate to for, you know, for my end of things, because um, for my podcast, at least I, I started out as a, um, as a way of just kind of gathering information about agriculture for people to come find. And I was realizing, you know, similar to you, that, that people weren't finding the information, you know, it was out there, but, but nobody was looking for it or, or they just didn't know where to look or, or whatever the case may be. And then in my second right. season, I started, you know, reaching out to the consumer, bringing them on, having them ask questions, talking to them about where the food comes from. And this is, you know, we're in my third season now. My third season is all about kind of a little bit of both. You know, it's, it's all about, you know, educating the consumer still, but now I'm trying to get more, connected with um, other people in the same uh, field as what I'm in, you know, agricultural communications for lack of, you know, for lack of a better word, basically, you know, trying to get other ag podcasters, other ag communicators on here and kind of have a conversation about, you know, how can we improve our relationship and our connection to the consumer and how can we have better conversations with them that way they um, not only trust agriculture, but they want to learn more about it. And so, yeah, uh, I, I definitely, definitely appreciate your, you know, your goals there and, and what you've, you know, what, what you've done so far. I think that's awesome. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's really, 
it just comes down to being able to talk to somebody in a, in a calm way Mm -hmm. about something that you're passionate about, because I know food and farming and food production and ranching, all of that is very highly personal and highly emotional for a lot of us. So whenever you get put in a situation where somebody just says something kind of like that, what that lady said, like, Oh, I saw a video and I'm not going to eat Turkey. Like I had no reason (laughs) to get so offended or to feel like that she was attacking me, but I did. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, okay, I cannot be the only one facing this. So that's really kind of what we want is to form a community of people um, that are, that are just wanting to tell the story and do it better. Like what you said. Right. Yeah, no, absolutely. And that's something I think that like, like you said, most uh, people involved in the agriculture industry go through. I mean, there's just that, that, you know, uh, defensive feeling over any type of agriculture, even if it's not your own. I mean, I grew up in, in, you know, a, a town full of dairies and, and, you know, cornfields. And yet if somebody, you know, <laughs> talks about, uh, I don't know, like, like the cotton industry, all of a sudden I, I feel, I, you know, I feel, I feel like myself getting kind of fired up about it. And, you know, I, I just feel like I have to defend it. It's like, wait, this isn't my industry. What, what am I doing? But exactly. uh, no, I, <laughs> I definitely get what you mean. There's, there's just some, some kind of, I think it might be just because we've we've gone so long without having that that connection with the consumer that now it feels like we're just you know two completely separate like groups of people and that we're just constantly at war with each other. And so I think that mm-hmm. it's you know anytime we can we can work towards trying to you know not only bridge the gap but try to like kind of fix some of those some of those um, you know relationship issues that we've had in the past with consumers is I think that's kind of a good goal to to work towards. Yes, I totally agree. <laughs> awesome. So why don't we start off by talking a little bit about, you know, the the podcast itself? You know, what, what exactly do you do? Is it like an interview-based podcast? Do you just kind of talk about your own, you know, farm story or, or what is the uh, main premise of the podcast? Yeah. So really, I... I named it the Farm Story Podcast because that's it's pretty much an open-ended whatever I want it to be at that time. Um, and so really kind of the three pillars for my whole business and the podcast as well is um, community, inspiration, and education. So anything that falls under those three kind of categories, um, I'm all for it. So some of the episodes are solo shows where I'm getting on there and kind of of more of like a how-to explaining something more of like a tactical, maybe a social media strategy or a tip or something like that. Um, there's a couple of them. I am also very passionate about youth and livestock or youth and agriculture and livestock showing and things like that. So we talk about that in a couple of episodes. Um, I've had several of the more like I'd say prominent ag bloggers on the show. I've had um, Farm Babe on there. Um, This farm wife, Meredith Bernard. I just had Kylie Epperson on there. She's the Grateful Farm Wife. I also just had Whitney Larson. They both have Midwest Farm Wives podcast. So they've all been on the show. And we just kind of talk on those episodes about like, you know, why they got started sharing their stories on social media, how, how they do it. Some of their behind the scenes a little bit. Um, kind of their tip for somebody who's just getting started, because that's the question really I get more than anything is like, I love what you're doing. How did you get started? Why did you start this? Like people like to share their stories. They just don't really know how to do it. So that's a lot of what we talk about is we just kind of try to relate to people and make them feel not as alone if they're trying to figure out a way to share their story on social media. Um, And so that's kind of where we're at right now. I have some really fun upcoming episodes the rest of this month. Um, I have a children's book author. That's probably going to be my next interview that I'll release. So I try to alternate and do like an interview with somebody and then I'll do a solo show and then another interview with somebody and then another solo show. And so um, just to kind of keep it interesting, 
I'm still, I've, um, done about 26 episodes, I think is the one that I just did. Um, and I would, I would love to get an episode out every week, but lately it's been more bi-weekly just because I've had a lot of other things going on behind the scenes, personal life, you know, crazy stuff. So, um, but I really enjoy it. It's really fun to hop in from the microphone and get to talk to somebody like what I'm doing today, or even just to kind of share some thoughts. Um, and I'm truly just humbled that people, want to tune in, you know, and listen to what I have to say. I'm sure you feel the same way. So anytime that anybody tunes in my podcast, I'm like, Oh my God, somebody <laughs> likes me, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. I, I 100% know how you feel. I mean, so I've uh, just to kind of give a little insider to, you know, to my story. I um, started my podcast back in April, 2018. So I've been doing it for almost three years wow. now. And That's awesome. yeah, and it was definitely not a um, not an easy road, you know, starting out. I, it took me a couple of years mm-hmm. to finally get the hang of how to do everything. I mean, my first two years was entirely just me interviewing farmers around my area. And like I said, I ran to a, a brick wall because nobody was listening. Like the only people that were listening were the people I was interviewing pretty much. And, you know, that's, that's great. But I, you know, I was not, I was kind of <laughs> looking for, for a, a bit of a, a larger audience and, you know, and not just in terms of just trying to get size, but, you know, people outside of my community is what I was trying to, trying to reach. Yeah. And so, um, uh, whenever like everything happened, like the lockdowns and everything here, uh, we, uh, kind of didn't have anything else to do. So I decided, you know what, I'm going to make some changes to my podcast. I'm going to try to see if I can, I can shift gears a little bit. And I was working under the impression that, you know, the people who aren't in the ag industry don't care about it or either they, you know, either they don't care about it or they're completely against it. One of the two. And I was incredibly surprised because I reached out to a lot of non-agricultural communities, um, like other podcasting communities online. And I got like a tremendous amount of positive feedback. People loved the idea. People wanted to come on. They had questions. They were curious. And as I began to talk to more and more people, I started to realize people care a lot about where their food comes from. You just have to show them where to find the information. And so Mm -hmm. I, I think that's, and that was kind of what opened my eyes to the idea that there were other ag podcasts out there, which I didn't, I, I couldn't find any when I was doing my research. Like I, I, I searched for some and a lot of them were more industry based. There weren't as many about like the story or the education or any of that kind of stuff. And I was really looking for that. And I think that a lot of them just didn't exist when I started my podcast, just because it was such a new idea, yeah. but now they're everywhere. I mean, there's tons of ag podcasts mm-hmm. out there, which I think is amazing. And you know, it's, it's something like I, I've, I've been working with, um, uh, so like ag state of mind, Jason Meadows, I don't know if you, if you talked to him at yes. all, um, he, yes, he's, yep. he's been on the show. We, we talked, you know, quite a bit. He's awesome. He gave me some great ideas on, on stuff for my show. Um, I've talked to, uh, Chrissy Wozniak from, from North American ag. Uh, we, her and I have, have talked to bench. Like I've had some, some great connections with a lot of people from, from the ag industry that are doing the same thing I'm doing. And we've been kind of able to like, you know, sit around and like, you know, bounce ideas off of each other. Like, well, have you tried this? Have you tried this? You know, did, how did your audience re- respond to this? And like that, that mm-hmm. kind of stuff is just like, I think that's awesome. You know, we're, we're finally getting a, a conversation about, you know, not just what we do about the consumer, but like, how do we improve the ways that we're going about handling that, you know, that interaction. And so uh, I think one of the things that I've come across, and this is something that, that Jason and I talked about was that one of the biggest, you know, tickets you can have to gain the consumer to care is just to humanize the farmer more, you know, to, to show them that Absolutely. the farmer is, you know, not just a machine that's out there working every day, that there's an actual person in, in that seat and that they're actually, you know, that they actually have a family that they have to take care of and they have bills to pay and they have, you know, um, like loans to pay off and they have, you know, like all of their cows are their family too. It's not just their, mm-hmm. you know, their means to, to an end basically. And so when you start to open up the consumer's eyes to that, they just love it. I mean, they, they eat it right up. They, 
you know, not only do they care about all the technology and science that goes into agriculture, but they care about the story too. And the story is almost, you know, almost even more attractive to them because it's relatable. And so that mm-hmm. was why I was attracted to, you know, to your podcast that, you know, I first came across it. I was like, Oh, this is exactly what I've been looking for. This is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you. Um, yeah. I, but yeah, I relate to everything that you just said. And I completely agree because like I was saying, when I was in college, I would, I played softball. I was an athlete. So most of the time, like I knew what my, what was going on at home on my family farm. I knew if we were calving or if dad was cutting hay or whatever was going on. But when I was at school, I was thinking about, okay, what homework do I have? What time do I have to go to practice? My arm really hurts from throwing all day. I need to go lift at this time. You know, I was thinking Mm -hmm. about all that stuff. So whenever people would come up to me at the dining hall and I'm sitting there with a bag of ice strapped on my arm, thinking about my homework, eating chicken fingers, I was not really thinking about, you know, telling my farm story, Mm -hmm. but people, it was a really small school. So everybody kind of knew everybody. So Mm -hmm. the more I was there, people would come up to me when I was sitting there, like I just described and be like, so Caroline, I saw your pictures of cows on the, on Facebook. I'm like, cool. Yeah. that Yeah. I put those up there. <laughs> I know. And they were like, I just think that's so cool. So like, what, what do you do when you go home? And so then I would be like, what in the world is going on? So, but yeah, they would relate to that story of me mm-hmm. going home on the weekend and helping my dad pull a calf or helping him put out hay in the snow or whatever. They didn't care about the greenhouse gas emissions that cows put out mm-hmm. or how cow farts are killing the planet. You know, they, they, they didn't care about that stuff. All they wanted to know was what it was like for me to live on a farm and my mm-hmm. story because they knew me, they saw me, all those things. And so another thing that I've started to do in my business is I sell t-shirts that on the back of them, I'm wearing one right now, that on the back of them, they say, ask me about, and then I have asked me about my farm story, ask me about my family farm. And then for my FFA kids, I have asked me about my blue jacket. And so it's just kind of that, like, like you said, the humanizing of the farm. So if you wear it out in public and you're standing in line buying a soda at the gas station, somebody sees that and thinks, oh, that person lives on a farm or that person has a farm story or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've heard that a lot of the shirts are actually starting conversations out in public, which was the goal. Um, and towards the end of 2020, we actually sold t-shirts in all 50 States, which was really exciting for us. Um, but it's just so fun to think about like those shirts are starting conversations everywhere. And that's the key in my opinion is just Mm -hmm. starting that conversation and having a really simple one about what do your cows do when all day, what do they, what do they eat? Do they bite you? Like, no, they don't bite, (laughs) (laughs) but just that simple information kind of at what, like a third grade level. That's what I like to tell people. Mm-hmm. not to be insulting to consumers by any means, but a lot of times that's kind of where the education for farming stopped. Like mm-hmm. if you didn't take an ag class in high school, when did you learn about agriculture? Right. Maybe, maybe in third grade, right? right. Um, besides, besides the internet. So um, that's kind of the way I see it is that if we're talking about agriculture, we're teaching about agriculture. And in today's world, we got to be teaching about it because mm-hmm. it's, that's just the way that it is these days. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. And you touched on a really important point there for for one the you know, the third grade education kind of thing is definitely an important point to talk about. Because when you know, when I first started my second season, I was talking to consumers, I didn't really know how to gauge talking to them. And I started out just by asking questions that I thought were kind of super simple. And, and they were getting the questions right really easily. And they were almost like overthinking them. I was like, well, let me explain to you why I have to ask such a simple question. Like I've, I've run into people before that believe that chocolate milk comes from brown cows or that they believe that yeah. 
uh, you know, that, uh, uh, like stuff that, that's made from wool comes from, from, from uh, cotton, not from sheep, you know, or like, uh, right. like that kind of stuff. Like they, they don't, they don't fully understand where these types of products come from and, you know, not just how, not just where they come from, but the entire process it takes to get there. It's not just farm to, to store. There's, there's an entire middle step that they completely missed. And so like, I, I explained that to my, to my, to my guests and they're like, Oh, like people, people really believe that I was like, you'd be surprised. I've, I've met more than, <laughs> more than my, you know, more than a handful of people that, that completely don't understand how half that stuff works. And so and it's not their fault. You know, they, they haven't really been, you know, near it. Like if you're not near it, then it's not really prioritized in education. So they don't really get exposed to that kind of stuff. And so like, like whenever, like, like, you know, it's, it's important. The point that you made that we're not trying to be condescending or, or insulting by, by talking to them, you know, in a third grade level, that doesn't mean we talk to them like they're third graders. It just means we don't introduce, you know, like super complicated terminology or we don't, we don't introduce super complicated, like scientific, um, like explanations for things until we understand where their level of, of understanding is at with those things. And so yeah, absolutely. the kind of what, what my approach has been is to uh, relate a lot of those things to things that they're familiar with movies, video games, TV shows, you know, stuff like that, and kind of show them that agriculture is all around them and that it relates to everything that they, that they not just consume and, and what, you know, what builds their, their house, but also all the things that they watch on TV, all the things that they, you know, interact with on a daily basis, all of those things are heavily influenced by agriculture. And so as I kind of exposed them to that, they, they were like almost enlightened. Like now I, I still get, you know, I still get emails and texts from some of them like, Hey, I was just watching this movie. Did you know there's all kinds of farms in the background that they have this? And I was like, yes, I know. Like you're starting <laughs> to get it now. And so it's just, yeah. it, it's really cool to see that though. Like seeing their, like get, seeing them get excited about something that, you know, I, I grew up around and got excited about myself when I got into high school is just something that was really, really cool to see. And uh, yeah. there's, there's another thing you can make. I can't remember what it was, but anyways. <laughs> well, and relating to what you were saying, like if by, st by starting these conversations and kind of planting mm -hmm. these seeds with these people, then whenever things happen that maybe they aren't sure of. So like, for example, when all of the COVID shutdowns were happening mm -hmm. around here in Missouri, some of our grocery stores were limiting how many gallons of milk could mm -hmm. be bought because the transportation issue, I mean, there was some behind the scenes issues and people started contacting me like, Caroline, is our food supply really in danger? Like, mm -hmm. is there really not enough milk to go around? Is there this? Is it so they came to me and asked me what was going on instead of the internet because right. they knew that I maybe was a little more connected to it than they were, or I lived on a farm, so I knew what was going on. And so building that trust with people, you never know what conversation or what social media posts they're going to see that makes them think, okay, she knows what she's talking about. I can trust her. I can ask her questions um, and kind of leaving that gate open for people to come back and ask you stuff. Um, yeah. It's really important. Yeah, absolutely. And actually that just reminded me of what the other point I was going to make was. Um, so going back to your, to your whole t-shirt thing and I'll get to the, the COVID thing too, cause I, I had the, a similar experience, but um, going back yeah. to your whole, whole, whole t-shirt thing about how your t-shirts are, are, are starting conversations and that, you know, they're getting people interested in, in like, you know, people are getting approached in the streets and that kind of stuff. I think for one that that's awesome. And for two, that that's, that's, <laughs> the most Thank important you. step in all of this, you know, starting the conversation, first of all, like what you say isn't so, isn't as important as the fact that you said anything at all, you know, like it's just, it's yeah. just getting out there and, and just saying something and, and kind of just, you know, it's, it's kind of like you said, planting the seed, just getting something in 
the in the airspace for people to kind of look at and if they want to if they want to take the bait then sure they can you know they can take it and you have the conversation if not then that's that's all you can do you can't shove it down their throats um but you know absolutely it's it's you know we're we're in a unique you know we're in a unique state now where agriculture is one of the most technologically advanced industries in the world and it's one of the least advanced in terms of of its presence in media so like you know mm-hmm. people people think about it as super simplistic you know you have a farmer who wears overalls and he's got his pitchfork and he's got like you know an acre of, of corn and he's got one cow with a, with a pail and <laughs> like that's just not how agriculture is anymore and people don't don't really realize no. that because they think that it's they think that that's real farming and that everything they see you know on like the large scale is all factory farming that's all dangerous and that's you know killing the environment and all this kind of stuff right. um or or the ones that, that don't think that they just don't know you know what that is like they, they they're not mm-hmm. sure what the difference between like commercial farming is and like hobby farming or what the difference is so like they see small scale farms and assume that that's true agriculture and well they're not yes. wrong that is agriculture it's not all agriculture and so right you know, it's, it's important to just you know have the conversation and just kind of expose them to it and say hey look you know this is happening you know behind the scenes of where your food comes from i know you don't know about it because it's not on on facebook every day but it's there like it's it's important that you know this <laughs> Yeah. And to kind of flip that script a little bit too, I spend a lot of time talking to like farmers and producers and things. And I hear the same things from people with all different sizes of farms. Like they'll come to me and say, oh, well, I don't think people really care about what I have to say. We just are this little farm, like whatever. And then people will say the exact same thing when they are a huge what some folks might say, like what you said, a factory farm, when Mm -hmm. they have, when they have a much larger operation, they're like, well, we're a big farm. So I don't think people would really care, you know, whatever. And I'm like, oh my goodness, who told you that? (laughs) But (laughs) the truth is, and I have a podcast episode about that, that size doesn't matter. Like if you have the, the guts to want to produce food for this world, then you have my respect. I mean, there's Mm -hmm. certain things that I believe over others. That's that. I mean, that's how everybody is but I'm going to respect you if you have the, the, like I said, the guts to want to produce food for the world and, and get good at doing it, then go for it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. No, absolutely. And you know, that's, that's, that's absolutely true about the whole, you know, size thing, you know, people, um, I like, I, I, I can't tell you how many times I've been asked about, uh, what my thoughts are on like large scale farming, you know, like, do you think that large yep. farming is bad? Do you think like factory farming is bad? All this kind of stuff. And I always have to explain like, guys, it's the same stuff. It's just bigger. Like nothing has yeah, changed. Like just this, more. It's, yeah. It's just, you know, it's still a family at the end of the day. They're still doing the same thing that they were doing when they were, you know, a lot smaller. They just happened to to catch a break and they got some more land and they got some, you know, some more money. And it's just, it kind of worked out for them. Like it's like nothing changes about it. And the, when, like when you explain that to them, it kind of blows their mind a little bit because they're assuming that, you know, these farms are being run by massive corporations that, you know, there's, there's, it's just like a, a nameless headless figure is running it. And it's all just, right. you know, top down kind of, kind of, you know, operation and when 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 you tell them that you know there there's an actual person running that operation and that person is on that operation every day for 24 hours working on on that operation it just like blows their mind you know they, they never could have imagined that would mm-hmm. be possible and you know a, a lot of it's it's funny because like you talked about how you were like, like the token ag kid in, in in school um so i was the token ag kid for for my you know for my schools mostly in high school but in college too and it's funny because I grew up in an ag town and we had a lot of people who did not, who did not know anything about where, where their food came from. They <laughs> like there were kids that, that were, you know, my age in, in high school that thought that chocolate milk came from brown cows and we live in a dairy cat or like a dairy town. So it's <laughs> like, I was, I was a little upset by that, but they didn't, they didn't get why that was a big deal. And so like, 
you know, they would come to me for, for questions like that. And like, Hey, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? And I'm like, guys, just go to the farm. There's a farm right down the street. Go ask the, go ask the dairyman. He'll show you around. I promise you like, and, and people are scared of yeah. that kind of stuff. Like they're scared to go ask the farmer. They're scared to go onto the farm because they think they're going to get shot or something. Like they, they don't, <laughs> they don't realize that, you know, farmers are a lot more approachable than you think. And that both sides are scared of each other. And if, if, if both sides just kind of say, Hey, I won't hurt you. If you won't hurt me, can I see your farm? And you know, the, the farmer will say, yeah, let's, you know, come on you know, I'll show you around. It'll be great. Yeah, absolutely. And I think for anybody listening who maybe is kind of wanting to start a start a blog or start an Instagram account or whatever, start telling their farm stories, but they're intimidated. I mean, we're talking about how we've talked and made friends to people from across the country on Instagram and things, but you don't have to do that. The Both of the ways that we started was with the people that were right around us. Mm-hmm. You started with people at school. I started with people at school and you can just kind of build from there. But if you're nervous about it, just start talking to people, you know, and just start saying like, Hey, what do you think about agriculture? Whenever you hear the word farm, what do you think of? And then just start that conversation. Um, and then build off of that. It doesn't have to be this great big global movement <laughs> right <laughs> off the bat. You can start small and build and that's the way it's supposed to be. Yeah. I mean, right now I work in a, in a grocery store and I'm, you know, I've got, I've got three roommates that all came from ag backgrounds, but yet still, you know, know very little about agriculture. And mm-hmm. I'm still teaching them stuff every day. Like I'll bring oranges home from work and I'll teach them about the different types of citrus and, and what, you know, different like uh, marks on the orange mean and, and what, what's actually good to eat and what's just, you know, what's just the, like, so like the difference, like, you know, wind scarring versus a puncture versus, you know, like kind of like breaking down yeah. the difference in that kind of stuff. Or like I'll take them to the store and, and break down that kind of stuff or, or even break it down for customers. Sometimes customers will come in and they'll ask mm-hmm. me like, Oh, what does this mean? What does this mean? I'll have to like break down for them. Like, Oh yeah, this is, you know, this is just scarring on the, on the, on the fruit. It's, it's not dangerous it's not going to hurt you. Whereas this, you got to watch out for this because this means like there's freshness issues. And like, whenever you interact with them and, and talk to them, like you'd be surprised how often they sink it, you know, it sinks in with them. Like it's, it's not yeah. something that's just going over their head. It's something that they find really interesting. Cause they're like, huh, I never thought about that before. And then it kind of starts mm-hmm. to make them think about other things. And they, they ask you more and more questions and it kind of snowballs into this really, you know, productive and, and really like fun conversation. And I love when that kind of stuff happens. And like, you know, like, like you said, it could be, it could be someone that's, that's, you know, halfway across the country or it could be somebody next door for me. In, in my case, it could be somebody living in my own, in my own room. You know, it's just <laughs> yeah. people that, that I see on a daily basis that I thought would know more about, about where the food comes from. They still have a lot of questions and that's because not even everyone in agriculture knows everything about agriculture. Like you just, you can't. Absolutely. No, it's a lot. And I tell my people that too, is I think also some people get scared because they feel like they do have to know everything Mm -hmm. about everything. And I didn't know anything about turkeys. I knew zero. I knew they had feathers and that I eat them on Thanksgiving whenever Mm -hmm. I made a fool of myself that day. (laughs) I mean, but so you, you don't have to know everything. I would become an expert somewhat in the industry that you produce Mm -hmm. um, and know more than the average person. But even then, I mean, people, you're not expected to know everything about everything. (laughs) There's no way, like what you just said about the citrus, we don't have citrus in Missouri. So I don't even know what you said about wind scarring (laughs) on an orange. I have no clue what that even means, (laughs) but I can talk all day long about cows and beef production and all Mm -hmm. of those things. So, but we have experts in other industries for a reason. So you can, if somebody asks you a question, you don't know, be like, you know what? I don't know the answer. I can either find it for you or put you in contact with somebody I know who does Mm -hmm. and just, practicing some of those phrases and saying them over and over again, um, is really helpful. Yep. No, absolutely. And that, that, that phrase right there is, is it goes a lot further than people tend to think, you know, 
So I, I, I coach a, um, I coach my, my local FFAs uh, or my, not my local, but my hometown FFAs chapter for extemporaneous. And so, cause I was, okay. a, I was an XM speaker back in high school. And so whenever I coach them, they always like get freaked out if they get asked a question that they don't know. And I was like, guys, you cannot be experts <laughs> in everything. They're going to ask hard questions. If there's one that you don't know, it's okay to say, I don't know. Let me get the answer for you and get back to you later. Like that's, that's a completely mm-hmm. acceptable answer. And the same goes for anyone who's doing an ag podcast or doing an ag blog. Even if you're just a farmer that's on, you know, on the street and somebody like, let's just say you're a dairy farmer and somebody asks you about beef cattle and you just don't know, then just say, I don't know. I'm not a, I'm not a beef farmer. I'm a dairy farmer. And yeah. You know, but what you could do in that situation is for one, you could, you could do the research and get back to them. So that way you do know for the next time, or, or like you said, you know, redirect them to somewhere they can find the information or someone who can give it to them. Or you can just say, Hey, you know, I, I don't know as much about the beef industry. I do know a lot about the dairy industry. So if you have any questions on that, I'd be happy to answer them. But that kind of is the extent yes. of my knowledge. And that way you can show them you still know stuff. It's just not the area that they're looking for. Absolutely. And I would much rather have somebody be honest with me and say, you know what, I'm not sure than make something up, (laughs) you know, that then I find out later down the road is, is fake or false. And then you think, well, that person didn't know what they were talking about, (laughs) but like, yeah. And I tell that too, about just like, if you don't know, like what you just said, say, I don't know, but I I don't know that, but I do know this. Mm -hmm. Um, and a lot of times people will just be, they're just happy to learn whatever. (laughs) So yeah. (laughs) Yeah. No, I mean, that's a tactic that we tell my sim kids all the time is like, Hey, you know, if you can ask a question, you don't know, like if if you're talking about GMOs and they ask you about, you know, about CMOs and you know what a CMO is, just say, Hey, I'm, I'm sorry. I I didn't come across that in my research. What I could tell you is that, you know, uh, GMOs were like, like just kind of like break down more of something else that, you know, and just kind of like that way you, you, you're not giving up. You're not just telling them like, Hey, I don't know, mm-hmm. like you're on your own, bud. but like, you're still showing them like, look, I've, <laughs> I've done my research. It's just, I didn't come across that particular thing. And so, cause like, yeah. you know, even people who have been researching and have been working in industry their entire lives, they miss stuff. I mean, I, I guarantee you there's stuff about the beef industry that, you know, the, that like, expert beef handlers don't, don't even know. Like I, I was raised around dairy cattle, but I raised beef in high school and I've studied beef cattle and I've, you know, I've, I've, mm-hmm. I've got really involved with the beef industry in, in California. And so I've learned quite a bit about the beef industry. There's going to be stuff that I don't know. I mean, I'm sure that there's stuff I'm sure there's stuff that I've learned that, that some of the beef farmers don't know because I'm looking for different things than them. Like I'm looking for ways to answer mm-hmm. questions that consumers would ask, and they're looking for things that are, they're going to help their operations run better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My dad is a 71 year old beef cattle producer and he's still like to this day is learning about things and asking questions. And he just is truly passionate about the industry and he's done it for over 40 years going on 50 now, <laughs> but he still is just like stuff happens every day that he's like, I've never seen that or <laughs> that, you know, I didn't know that would happen or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so it's just really been eye opening for me too, as a young person trying to learn everything I can about all the things that I can. Yeah. Um, I'm like, wow, there's my dad who's, and I think he like, of course he's my dad. So I'm biased, but I'm like, <laughs> he's the smartest person I know. And he still is learning every single day about this stuff. So, mm-hmm. um, you're never too young or too old to learn something new. Right. No, I, I couldn't agree more. <laughs> so I think that, Oh, I was going to, I was going to address the COVID thing. I forgot about that. Um, oh, so yeah. in, in regards to, so, so you're mentioning how, whenever all the, all the shutdowns started happening, you had a ton of people asking you questions on like, you know, are we going to, are we going to run out of food? Why is milk, you know, not mm-hmm. no, no longer available? Why are the prices of meat going up? All this kind of stuff. Yep. So what's funny about that is whenever I first reached out about having non-agricultural guests on my podcasts, like a lot of them were because of that, you know, they were reaching out to me saying like, oh. Hey, 
you know, I'm, I'm worried about this, the state of our food, you know, because of all the shutdowns, we're having shortages on stuff. We're not, we're not able to find stuff. Um, you know, like what's, what's going on, you know, what's going on in the industry. Mm -hmm. Like some people were even asking, like, if it, you know, if it was possible for them to like start their own, like, like gardens and farms and stuff like that to try to sustain themselves in case something, you know, in case like the worst happened. And so like people like all of a sudden had this, this, you know, newfound interest in where their food came from. And it was just, I don't know. It was, it was something that I hadn't really not, not just hadn't predicted before, but it was something I hadn't really, really been able to, to comprehend exactly how big of a deal it was going to be to them. So, yeah. So in, in regard to the point you're making about the whole COVID situation, it's, it's kind of funny. So uh, when I started reaching out to guests about, you know, being on my podcast from the non-ag sector, um, a lot of them were, were becoming interested because of the whole COVID shutdown situation. They were, they were scared of, you know, like you said, food shortages. Uh, they were worried about whether or not they're going to have to start um, like finding ways to grow their own food and, you know, in case the worst happened, like they're looking into like gardening and like, you know, small farm operation kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, like they were like freaking out. And I actually had some people come on asking like how hard it would be to start a farm. And I had like people asking, you know, why are there food shortages? What's going on? Like why, you know, like we're seeing like dairymen dumping milk and yet milk is, is not in the store. It's like, what's happening there? Why yes. are, you know, why are um, like uh, pork producers having to euthanize swine? And yet we have super high prices for, for pork. Like what's like, what do we missing here and so that's you know Mm -hmm. i honestly as as terrible as everything was it actually was beneficial for you know for my side of things because it was it it started to really make people interested again and where their food came from and really started a a, a, an incredibly important conversation about you know not just where their food comes from but the steps it goes to get there you know because now they they were starting to learn more about the, the processing part of things, the distribution, the, you know, um, the retailer and how, how all that kind of stuff works, like the whole, you know, the wholesaler and like all the, all the different steps in between the farmer and the retailer that they typically wouldn't, wouldn't even think of, you know, and, mm-hmm. and that was kind of a big deal. And, and not just that, you know, they were learning about all the steps be, uh, about it, but that now they were also interested and, and not just interested because it was, you know, like life or death situation, you know, because they thought they were gonna be out of food. But after learning that they were going to be okay, and the food is going to come back now, they just had this idea of like, whoa, like, what if all of our food goes away? What are we going to do? Like, we better figure out like where our food's coming from. So that way it doesn't happen. And so they started asking yeah. more and more questions about that kind of stuff. And that started to create more, you know, conversations about, uh, you know, the 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 behind the scenes of, of the whole food, you know, farm to fork process. Yeah, I got uh, yeah, I can totally relate. People were coming to me like my grandma <laughs> called me. <laughs> and here in the Midwest, we have we do a lot of meat production. So mm-hmm. Missouri is actually, I think we're the number three state. We go back and forth with Oklahoma, I think, um, mm-hmm. of two and three for being the number three cow calf state in the mm-hmm. country. So we got a lot of cows around here, a lot of beef production. Um, and so the meat thing was really big for us. And so my grandma calls me, she says, Caroline, I just don't understand why I can drive down the road and I see cows out in the pasture. I know that there's cows ready to be butchered because she grew up on a farm and she knew that she said, but I don't know why there's no meat in the stores. What's what, where's the problem? Mm -hmm. And so I had to explain to her, well, grandma, it's, it's the processors. (laughs) And so then once I explained it, she was like, oh, okay, that makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. And so when you explain it to people, they totally get it most of the time. And you explain it in ways that they understand. But like you said, a lot of people I think have had their eyes opened now of for years and years and years and years, people have gone to the grocery store and we're blessed here in America that there's food on the shelf. You can go Mm -hmm. to pretty much any gas station for the, you know, like anywhere that sells food and it's going to have food on the shelf, something for you to eat. And a lot of places that was not the case. I remember going to the grocery store here 
And I knew that, you know, we were a farm family. We had meat here in the freezer. So our priority was like, okay, get stuff to put with meat, <laughs> get whatever canned vegetables you have. So we were coming out of the store with like boxes of stuffing in the middle of March and just like random things that we could find, but it's like, okay, we have to have something to eat. Like we knew it was short-lived, but there was just a sense of panic when you walk through the grocery mm-hmm. store and it was kind of scary. Yeah, no, I, I definitely, I mean, I remember my mom when, when all that first hit, she, you know, bulk, you know, bulk bought as much, as much as she could find, you know, uh, mostly like, like canned goods and like stuff that's not going to go bad yeah. for a long time. Just like a ton of food. We had like an entire room of our house just full of like, you know, it's basically like, like our rations, you know, like our, like our fallout rations, just in case everything went, went downhill. But uh, like, she just, you know, she was like, you know, ready for it. And so that, that kind of stuff really, I thought that she was just kind of being, you know, like paranoid about it. And then I started to realize, no, everybody is, is getting like that now. And I was like, Oh yeah. It's going to be either really, really bad (laughs) or really, really good. And so it ended up being a little bit of both, you know, it was bad on the end of like, everyone's freaking out, but it was good because it made them more aware and more curious about all the things that, that make their food, you know, become what it is and, and, and available to them where it is. And uh, you brought you brought up another point earlier that I really wanted to touch on because I thought it was important that they people are starting to not trust the internet anymore for information about agriculture. They're starting to come to sources that are readily available, like you and, and like me and some of the other ag podcasters and bloggers. And they're starting to trust farmers again. You know, it may it may be mm-hmm. uh, you know a while before they are able to you know, actively go on the farms and talk to the farmer again and start to have some of those relationships, but they're at least trusting that the process is working for a reason and that, you know, everything that's going on behind the scenes is safe and sanitary and ethical. And that we're all, you know, that we're all doing our best to try to, for one, keep, you know, keep the farmers and, and like all the workers safe and healthy and have them, you know, have be able to have food on the plate, but also keep all of the operations safe and healthy and keep the animals healthy and, and happy and all that kind of stuff too. And, and that kind of stuff is really starting to, show up in, 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 you know, in media now people are starting to take notice of that kind of stuff. They're not just trusting all the videos they see online of animals being abused and they're starting to actually come to mm-hmm. the source and say, Hey, what's going on here before I trust what this Facebook post said. Yeah, absolutely. And I think just the whole year of 2020 was so interesting. And I think there was just a big shift of people, maybe not necessarily trusting the media just on both sides of the political mm-hmm. spectrum and across the country and world, yep. just not trusting as much of what they see on the internet and trusting more of what they see in right in front of them in person and the people that they know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that's just a really important shift that we're seeing. And like you said, people are at least now, they know maybe a farmer that they can go ask. And that's, that's my whole goal is to just get people to be the farmer that people know so that when stuff like this happens, the people feel comfortable enough to send a message or send a text or whatever and be like, Hey, what's the deal mm-hmm. instead of Googling and trying to figure it out that way. Right? No, exactly. And I think that that's at the end of the day, kind of the, the, the best goal that we can shoot for as, as, you know, ag podcasters, as communicators of, of agriculture, um, as you know, kind of what I, I like to call myself kind of a translator for agriculture, you know, take, take agricultural yes, and, you know, in, information and translate it into something that consumers can not only understand, but also relate to and, and find interesting um, you know, mm-hmm. it, it's kind of our role to, you know, look for, you know, any way possible that we can show the, the, you know, the, the average public that we're, you know, that we're here for them too. Like that they can come to us for information that they can trust what we have to say and that we're not going to lie to them that we're like, my policy is always on my podcast, absolute transparency. Like if anyone asks me a question about the ag industry, I'd tell them, you know, I tell them straight up how it is. Like I've been asked before about, you know, vaccinations, about antibiotics, about pesticides, even about like how the slaughter process works. And I have to break it down for them. And I always tell them like, Hey, you know, 
if, if you get a little sick, then that's not my fault. I'm telling you right now, it's, it's, you know, it's a little, it's a little gruesome, but it's, I trust, <laughs> I, you know, I, I hope that you can trust that it's all sanitary and ethical and that it all works for, you know, for mm-hmm. a reason that there's laws in place protecting, you know, you know, the animals and they are incredibly willing to learn about that kind of stuff. And so I think as, as we continue to, to do what we do is as long as we kind of show them that, you know, we're, we're here for them and that we're here to, to teach them first of all we're not here to just you know indoctrinate them or make them you know listen to us but we're here we're here for them to come to us you know and and you know we're here to to be their source of information if they need it they don't have to depend on us for for everything though that there's you know there's other people out that they can reach out to and eventually hopefully they can kind of trust that they can go back to the farmer and ask them too and i hope that on both sides that becomes an easier conversation yeah i absolutely love that so awesome. Well, I think that that was, um, those were all the points I could think of. I don't know if there's anything else you wanted to add or anything, you know, anything more you had to say. Not really. I just kind of just my whole message for ev- anybody listening who maybe is thinking about starting a blog or a podcast or something is just to f- figure out the way that you like to communicate. So if you like to write, if you mm-hmm. like to make videos, if you like to talk on a microphone, <laughs> if you like like to take pictures, whatever that looks like, figure out the, your favorite way to tell the story of agriculture and then find out a way that you could do that consistently. Mm-hmm. Um, cause like I said, that's a question I get a lot is, you know, well, I don't know where to start. I don't know what to do. And so that's what I tell people is like, your first step is to figure out your favorite way to communicate. Me personally, I like to talk and take pictures. I can write, I can make videos, but at the end of the day, those two things end up feeling more like work mm-hmm. than talking or taking pictures do for me. So my you know favorite things to do is to grab my camera, go out and take some pictures or to hop on a podcast, get in front of a crowd, something like that. So that those are the areas I focus on. So just find out how you like to communicate, figure out ways that you can do that to get your message out and then just start, just start when you have nobody listening to your podcast, like what Brennan was saying earlier, like just, just start and figure out the ways to get going and just do it. And then, um, if you have questions come to, I'm sure Brennan would answer questions too, but I'm definitely one that will answer questions. So if you want to come find me, um, on Instagram, I hang out there a lot and I'm happy to help anybody that needs it. Awesome. Well, yeah, I definitely appreciate that. You know, being, being there for, for others in in our community is definitely something that I think is, is needed right now because a lot of people are trying to, like you said, trying to get started and they just kind of don't know where, you know, where to start or or where to go, or they get discouraged Mm -hmm. because they don't get, you know, any listeners for the first few months or so. And, you know, it's definitely, it's, it's not easy to overcome. Trust me. I did it for two years and it was, it was terrible, you know, not being able to, to have anybody (laughs) listening to you, but it it gets better if you just kind of tough it out and and just keep working on it. It's, and and keep pushing and people will find you. (laughs) And at the end of the day, it is an incredibly important thing to do, to be able to, you know, to to teach people about agriculture. So like, don't get discouraged just because nobody's listening yet. Eventually they will. And when they do, they're going to appreciate it. Absolutely. Yep. So, Awesome. Well, yeah, thank you so much, you know, for, for coming on the podcast and talking to us about your farm story. Um, before we close out, I'd like to give you the opportunity to kind of share your, you know, uh, any, any links you want to share any, anywhere people can find your stuff or anything that you want them to, to know about and, and find. Sure. Um, so my business website is tellyourfarmstory.com um, and all of the good stuff. I'm actually in the process of redoing it right now. So, but it'll still be the same um, URL and moving forward. Um, and then on Instagram, I'm at the.farm.story. Um, and then my personal page is Caroline Loves Cows on Instagram. And that's my favorite place to hang out. <laughs> awesome. Well, yeah, I'll, I'll link all those stuff down in the description so people can find it and hope to pick up their own, you know, farm story shirts if, if they're from that background. Yeah. I, I might be grabbing one of those. So 
Um, <laughs> yeah, so I definitely appreciate you coming on and you know making the time to talk to us. It sure was a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, no, my pleasure. And you know, thanks, thanks again to all my listeners for tuning in, all my supporters for always sticking around. And I hope you guys really enjoyed this one. I think it's a really important conversation to have. And um, yeah, hope to catch all you, all of you next week. And don't forget, if you ate today, thank a farmer.